Welcome to the Advent Calendar House, a salute to all holiday specials, but mostly the Christmas ones. And Christmas has come and gone, so we're back in off-season mode for a special bonus episode about another holiday. Today's subject, 1974's The Muppets' Valentine Show. I am your typewriter-bound host, wearing sunglasses indoors, whom you'll never see again, Mike Westfall. And joining me, first a familiar face whose young love for a mouse may not turn out the way he wants, but sets up some interesting foreshadowing of his parent company's business trajectory, it's Joey O. Hello, Joey. Wow, that was quite a description. (laughs) What a mouthful. And speaking of creatures we've never seen before, a warm welcome to first-time guest on the podcast from the delightfully named website, Me and You and a Blog Named Boo, it's Brian Arnold. Welcome, Brian. Hi, gang of cheers. (laughs) In my best Gene Kasem impression. Well done. (laughs) So, we're coming up on Valentine's Day, but as we're recording this, we're still in the middle of January, and I've noticed this year a lot of people, myself included, are taking to put away their Christmas decorations a bit more slowly than in years past. Mine are in a pile waiting to go back in the garage. Uh, I even It even took Disney World till last week to get around to taking them down at the Magic Kingdom from photos I saw. But you both are up in Philadelphia. Are you noticing anything like that up there? There are still some stragglers, believe it or not. Yeah, like I'm driving around here in South Jersey, and you know, there's still some you know, inflatable snowmen out on some people's lawns and still some colored lights hanging on so yeah it's just here and there so it's, it's pretty interesting my wife would uh perfectly be happy to keep our tree up all year long but uh we put everything away last weekend i tetris all the boxes away back into our basement closet <laughs> but there are still some houses with lights up here and there in our neighborhood yeah you had a good run christmas 2018 but But on to our first off-season holiday special, The Muppets Valentine Show, and I believe you both told me this was your first viewing of this. Is that right? Yes, it was. I had no idea this existed until you said it. Neither did I. Neither did I. Oh, boy. Well, quick background. This is an early pilot of what would eventually become The Muppets Show. Uh, A proper, more familiar pilot came a year later called Sex and Violence... Ladies and gentlemen, presenting the end of sex and violence on television. (laughs) This one came first, but I remember seeing it on Nickelodeon in the 90s when Nick had access to quite an extensive library of Muppet content. And I misremembered it as being an hour long. It's only a half hour special, but because it's got that 70s variety show format, everything must have felt longer to me as a kid. Which seems to be a running theme as we're watching these uh, this past December. But So Nickelodeon would air this around this time of year as a holiday special, but it premiered January 30th, 1974 on ABC. And I was looking for some history on this special, and I rediscovered a section of the Henson Company's website called Jim Henson's Red Book. And it's a collection of one-line journal entries Jim made along with some background information on them. So... This Muppets Valentine show was first pitched in April 1973 to ABC's then senior networking programming executive, Michael Eisner. Oh. Then future and now former CEO of Disney between his greenlighting this 
and Kermit's one-and-done relationship with Miss Mousy. I found that pretty funny all these 46 years and five edits of Emmett Otter later. So this special is themed around a holiday as sort of a backup plan after Jim realized there wasn't a lot of interest this early in the game to go forward with a full-scale Muppet TV series. But you can also tell he's trying out some of these things that he hopes will work in a regular variety show. I don't know if you guys got that same sort of vibe from this or not. Yeah, with with the celebrity guest aspect of it, definitely. That's some 70s variety show right there. Yeah, I noticed the same thing. I mean, as different as it is from the later Muppet show, you can still see some of the uh, initial concepts in fruition with you know, the, the kind of the one-liners, the vaudevillian aspect of it a little bit. It's definitely there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not a lot of familiar faces. Let's dive in. We opened with mild chaos from a small collection of Muppets. And let's look at the cast because it's split almost evenly between people I've seen before and people we see in this and never again or maybe in the background and we don't hear from them again. But of course, there's Kermit, who's really the only one who'd remain a regular Muppet out of this cast. But uh, here, however, he's not in the lead role. That role is filled by Wally, who's sort of uh, writing this special screenplay as it happens. Muppets Valentine's show, which is all about L-O-V-E. And I don't know about YouTube, but that reminded me sort of of Gonzo as Charles Dickens in the Muppet Christmas Carol. I can see that. Definitely. He really felt like he was, you know, well, obviously Jim Henson doing the voice. He just felt like he was a 100% stand-in for Jim. Yeah, and while he's dictating the action of this special on a typewriter, look it up, kids, I always appreciate (laughs) seeing typewriters and stuff like this because I was the last class in my elementary school to learn how to type on one before they switched to the short-lived word processor. Last year, a Muppet told us that, or taught us that typewriters can be delicious. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> me get so excited when me think of cooking. Oh, you're Santa. Santa. We're typewriter. We never see Wally again after this special, and in hindsight, it felt kind of weird without Kermit running the show. Did you guys also find that a little off? Absolutely. I totally expected Kermit to kind of be, you know, in the forefront, but not so. Instead, we had Wally and his awesome 70s style shirt. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Kermit just being like one member of the ensemble doesn't seem right. Even as he's introduced, they kind of pan across this. It's almost like a sunroom they're in. And Kermit's just on this staircase with everybody else. The set kind of looks like the uh, set from the Golden Palace, if you'll remember that series. Wow. Kind of, sort of. Yeah, I didn't make that connection. (laughs) You're not wrong. (laughs) Speaking of things that seem funny in hindsight, probably the next most recognizable Muppet is the pyrotechnics enthusiast we know by the name of Crazy Harry. But in this special, he's called Crazy Donald. Did somebody say blast? No, nobody said blast. No, Thank you. No, no, no. <laughs> Crazy Donald, you have blasted your last. Okay. Of all the Muppets to show up this early, I was like, wait, him? 
they just really wanted to use the explosives they had, I guess. But yeah, still performed here by John Lovelady, who eventually, when he becomes Crazy Harry, Jerry Nelson would take over. But the name Crazy Donald is after Muppet designer Don Solon, who, according to the always helpful Muppet Wiki, enjoyed creating the Muppet special effects explosions. So <laughs> he was a big part of this. So that's why we have the future Crazy Harry. Makes sense, then. Uh, makes perhaps too much sense now. But another familiar face is George the Janitor, performed by Frank Oz. He'd make a cut to the Muppet Show's first season. Do you guys remember George the Janitor? Barely. Okay. He eventually was replaced by Beauregard. But that first season, it was George cleaning up after everyone. I love Beauregard. Oh, so do I. Absolutely the best move as far as Muppet Show mainstays go. But... Then there's Rufus the dog, who, have either of you seen Hey Cinderella? Nope. No, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> he was Cinderella's <laughs> dog in that. That's another Nickelodeon one. They, they would show these random things from the Muppet archives. They had the Muppet musicians of Bremen that they would show a lot. You just appreciate the Muppets on a much deeper level than us. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> But it's going to be good to have your reactions to this as we get going. But a few more names here. Now, these are the ones that I don't remember seeing before. And then as I look back, oh, they were in this. So first we have Mildred, full name, according to Muppet Wiki, Mildred Huxted. Oh, no, 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 George, you silly boy. Wally's talking about love, sweethearts, hugging and kissing. Sort of an aristocratic sort of woman performed by the late Richard Hunt. And this is her first appearance. But apparently she showed up in that one gag on Muppets Most Wanted. Oh. Oh, wow. She looked familiar to me, but I just kind of thought she was just one of the anything Muppets. She probably was. Uh, According to Muppet Wiki, she showed up a lot, actually. She was in a bunch of episodes of The Muppet Show. And just as a background, yeah, like a background Muppet. Uh, she shows up in the Rainbow Connection finale of the Muppet movie. She's in the wedding in the Muppet Take Manhattan. Uh, she shows up on there. She is with Clifford in the opening of Muppets Tonight. So, yeah, she was in the opening of Muppets Tonight, but she didn't really have a big part in that show. And a she lot was of the other kind of around. Yeah, she was just there. And all of those are pretty much crowd scenes, especially that finale of the Muppet movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. As far as showing up in the Muppet Show in all those episodes, I have a feeling she was one of, in the dancing sketch. Mm, you're such a smooth dancer. Ever since we've started, I feel like my feet have never touched the floor. They haven't. You've been standing on mine. <laughs> we have Droop, who officially he's known as a Frackle. Not Fraggle, it's Frackle with a C-K. Yeah, I kind of got a. He seemed to be kind of like the Eeyore of the group. Very, you know, know, indeed, you know. Whereas Gonzo is kind of very, you know, upbeat and positive, you know. Droop? Droop, was it? Not so much. (laughs) And again, he's one that they kind of throw in the background from time to time when they need to just grab a Muppet from storage and fill out the background. Uh, I know he's in the opening number of the Muppet Christmas Carol. For some reason, I distinctly remember him being in that crowd singing the song Scrooge. Well, on his list of uh, 
of uh, Muppet Wiki appearances. And this, yeah, like minor, I guess, backgroundiness. Like he's in the wedding in Muppet Take Manhattan. He was on an episode of The Cosby Show, apparently. What? <laughs> I missed that line. Uh, several Muppets from the Jim Henson Hour made a guest appearance on the episode Cliff's Nightmare in 1990. After Cliff eats a hot oh eats a sausage hoagie that disagrees with him, he experiences an elaborate nightmare narrated by Wallace Shawn. Oh, he never listens to any fun. His wife told him not to eat me, but he did anyway. He knows I disagree with him. You don't disagree with me. Yes, I do. No, you don't. I do. No, you don't. <laughs> don't. Which includes Gonzo, Sweetums, Statler, and a couple other random. Muppets, apparently. I'd love to have a nightmare narrated by Wallace Shawn. Right? Oh, oh my gosh. During the Muppet portion of Cliff's dream, Gonzo announced that Cliff will be making the first delivery of a Kuzbanian ever seen on television. Oh. However, Kermit the Frog wow. already did a televised news report about a Kuzbanian birth in the Muppet <laughs> Valentine show. <laughs> what? I'm glad you noticed that, because I sure didn't. Rounding out our main cast, we have Brewster, who's an old, white-bearded, good-humored Muppet, played by Dave Goles. I've seen him in kind of a guru role before, but again, oftentimes he's just, he gets stuck in the background. But not as much as the other two. His last known appearance is that zoomed-out wide shot uh, in the Muppet movie. So that's our main cast of characters who are hanging out in this large, open sunroom as Wally ponders at his typewriter the meaning of love. And we have our opening song, Love is a Simple Thing. Love is a simple thing, love is a song to sing, shiny as a ribbon ball. How does the rest of this song go? Love is a nursery rhyme. Oh, yes. Oh, there's a tick of time. Featuring a verse by our very special guest star, Miss Mia Farrow. Love is so many things Light as an angel's wings Gentle as the morning light Long as a winter's night Real quickly, what role do you most associate with Mia Farrow? Woody Allen's... (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I've never seen... I don't think I've ever seen any of her movies. Not Rosemary's Baby? No. No. That's the popular one. My go-to Mia Farrow role is Daisy and the Great Gatsby. Which Maybe I saw that version of it in okay. high school. Yeah, that's one of those that I saw in high school, too. Uh, the Robert Redford one. And that came out just a few months after this special. So didn't even promote it or anything. Just on TV. That's promotion enough in the 70s, really. Yeah, looking over her... her uh film credits here, whatever I've seen her in was just like the handful of Woody Allen movies I've seen, which aren't that many. I saw her in Zelig, apparently. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) So there's your time frame, post-Rosemary's Baby, uh, and just pre-Great Gatsby. So Wally briefly asks the others what love means to them, and Droop's too depressed to talk about it. Don't look at me. I never touch this stuff. And it never touches me. Sorry about that, Droop. That's okay. I still got myself pity. He's no help. I'm no help. I'll ask George. Ask George. So Wally then types, George walks in. George comes in. To summon the janitor who asks you type. I love this gag. It's a shame it didn't transfer to Kermit. 
But all that makes George think about are mops. What comes to mind, George? What comes to mind when you think about love? Mops. Mops. No, George. I said love. L-O-V-E. Oh, love. L-O-V-E. Yeah, what does it make you think of? Mops. M-O-P-S. Like he's some sort of prototype Stanley Spadowski from UHF. That's what's in my note. (laughs) I knew it. I was kind of waiting. And my wife compared him to Perry Saturn. (laughs) She's not wrong. Wow. When we get... When we get to the end, he is totally Stanley Spadowski there. Wow. Uh, (laughs) uh, But in trying to describe love, the perpetually cool shades wearing Wally says, love is dynamite, and there's crazy Donald skew, too. Did somebody say dynamite? Uh, Oh, no, no, nobody said dynamite. Somebody said dynamite. Uh, We didn't say dynamite. There, you said it again. (laughs) And while the others are distracted... By the explosion, into the conversation barges Kermit, a self-proclaimed expert on the subject of both love and loss. And as weird as it is not having him be in charge and having to try and get everyone's attention, we're kind of used to that. Uh, But he doesn't do the whole quiet thing that we expect from Kermit. Or usually it's animal, but... I was happy to see him take to the screen, though, because now I was like, okay, now this feels like a Muppet program. Yeah. Uh, I feel like there wasn't enough Kermit. I I agree with you. For some reason, remember there being a lot more of him. but And I always like when Kermit gets to be the funny guy, too. We don't see that a lot. Usually he's trying to be the leader, so he's got to be the straight man. But every once in a while, he gets to tell the jokes. Uh, hey, listen. I understand your fellows are talking about love. Yeah, well, I want you to know that uh, I happen to be an expert on the subject. Sure, sure, because you are looking at a frog. Uh, you are looking at a... You are, you are look, if you were looking, you'd be looking at a frog who has been fricasseed in the frying pan of love. Oh, boy, could I... Could I... Boy, could I tell you... <clears throat> Boy, could I tell you about love? Okay, tell us about it. I don't want to talk about it. Good. Good. I'll sing about it. Oh, oh no, he's going to sing. You almost hear a tiny bit of Jim Henson's important dad voice sneak in there. That's the Link Hogthrob voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Kermit begins to tell the story of his unsuccessful proposal to Miss Mousy. As seen a band of frogs living in the piano for some reason saying, Froggy went a courtin'. Uh huh. Uh huh. Kiki, there he came. A froggy went a courtin' and he did like. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. A froggy went a courtin'. And here's another thing I forgot. I had sworn Miss Piggy was in this too. But I guess I replaced Mildred because she's the one who really interacts the most with Mia Farrow as far as a, a female goes, but no, it's Miss Mousy here. Miss Piggy is not yet on the scene at all, so they bring in Miss Mousy from this existing song, and it's Jerry Nelson's high voice, and she's wearing an old-fashioned country mouse dress and bonnet. I like that you see one of my favorite Muppet tropes, Kermit's legs riding a bicycle in this. Absolutely. Yes. I was thrilled to see that and surprised to see it that early on, so many years ahead of the Muppet movie. Yes. Well, this is the first time that happens. Wow. So 
first ever appearance of Kermit riding a bicycle. That's got to be one of Jim Henson's favorite tricks because it keeps coming up. Uh, here it is on a very stylistic set of a very two-dimensional angle, but baby steps. This is like a proof of concept for a lot of things. It can be done, and then you kind of see it slowly evolve. Emmett Otter, it happens again, and it's a bigger set. And then the Muppet movie is kind of where we see the perfected version of this for the first time. And then they crank it up to 11 in The Great Muppet Caper, where it's a whole gaggle of Muppets on bikes in The Great Muppet Caper. Turns out Miss Mousie's already seeing someone and onto the scene stomps the full adult human-sized big mouse. Oh, that thing was unnerving. It Mm -hmm. was. (laughs) And it's Richard Hunt again in the giant grovelly voice we'd later associate with my wife's favorite Muppet, Sweetums. Big Mousie! You better hit the road or I'm gonna pulverize a tool. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Hey, guys, I wanna go to Hollywood. (laughs) (laughs) That kind of would have been a good name for this big mouse, too. Yeah, that mouse looked like it stepped out of a nightmare that was narrated by Wallace Shawn. (laughs) (laughs) This is another trick, especially this time frame, that Jim Henson liked to use a lot. You, You would see the big Muppets show up on Saturday Night Live. There was a special before this that I think we're gonna do in December called The Great Santa Claus Switch, where there are some big Muppets there. And I feel like that trope kind of, they dialed it down a bit. But here it's still a big part of this special. And and coming up later, we'll see another even bigger Muppet. But it looks even more impressive in this scene because they have kind of, it kind of almost looks like paper cutout backdrop where it's trees and flowers. And then here comes Big Mouse kind of tramping over all of that. And it's just done at a very perfect angle. Well, Big Mouse's size doesn't intimidate Kermit in the least, and he instigates a just-off-camera fight, unfortunately, that we're told lasts all day and throughout the night, until they're both lying exhausted on the ground, finally asking Miss Mousie which of them she would like, and she picks... Droop, who rolls up on a motorcycle. We end with Big Mouse turning to Kermit and saying, Come on, frog. I'll buy you a beer. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I want that scene. And he was all, like, blown up. Wasn't his, like, chest, like, like burnt or something? It might end? have been. Something was going on there. I don't know if that was his hair or if it was a burn mark. It was hard to tell on this YouTube upload, but... But yeah, I want Kermit and this giant rodent at the bar drowning their sorrows in some cold ones. Complaining about dames. Complaining about dames, yeah. And then we can get we can get Rolf from the piano and we can do that scene. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but no, instead we cut back to the sunroom where Mia Farrow enters. Oh wow! Mia Farrow's here! Come on, everybody! <laughs> And everyone welcomes her in, and she's brought with her from across the pond some crumpets. And here comes Droop's other shining moment of the special. Yeah, we used to have a crumpet, but it died. Yeah, that freaked me out. Yeah. <laughs> that just seemed to come out of nowhere. <laughs> Only well, to- it also reminded me that you gotta know what a crumpet is to understand cricket. 
I'm so glad you remembered to put that in your notes, too. I was hoping. <laughs> That's why we're friends. <laughs> like, I actually have in my notes, what the hell is up with the crumpet? Yes, we find out the crumpet is alive and well as a tiny beady-eyed food muppet on a platter and just kind of <laughs> rolls away. You see it later, but but it's true. I don't think anybody in this special knows what a crumpet is, and therefore they don't understand cricket. <laughs> Uh, A brief note, Mia is pregnant during this taping. She talks briefly with Mildred about expecting her fourth child in the spring. That would be Fletcher, who was born a few months after this aired, to which Mildred replies, How precious. Well, some girls have all the luck. Takes a little more than luck, Mildred. Yes, I know. Oh, (laughs) I know. Oh my gosh. So that was way before her. Uh, oh, Ronan Farrow wasn't born until over a decade later. So I no, think but the he's the most third, famous. It, well, you have a oh, what's her name? Oh well. Meet side note: Ronan Farrow's first name is Satchel after Satchel Page. Really? That's what Wikipedia is telling me. He's doing the Lord's work as <laughs> an investigative journalist nowadays. Uh, the the third of her children is actually adopted. It's it's Soon Yi. Uh, she was adopted from South Korea and currently married to Woody Allen. Mm. Oh my gosh, she has eleven children, four biological, seven adopted. Yes. Wow. Wow. Uh, so this would be her fourth child that she's expecting in this special, but second pregnancy because the first two are twins. The third one's adopted. That's Soon Yi. Wally swings in to drive the plot forward by delivering to Mia a valentine from another more familiar full-sized Muppet. It's Thog. Are either of you familiar at all, or have you seen Thog before? Oh, i definitely seen Thog before. I'm like, hey, I recognize him. Yes. I didn't know his name. I just knew what he looked like. Right. I remember him from the opening of The Muppet Show very clearly. Yes. When they first step out onto the stage. Mm-hmm. And although I haven't seen the great Santa Claus switch, I know he premiered in that, I believe. Premiered in that along with Fig. Fig, yes. But Who I don't think has been seen since that much. I don't believe so. Uh, but Thog is, he always kind of shows up in every Muppet crowd shot. Uh, <laughs> even the posters, it's like, if they need something large to loom in the background. You have Thog. He's this, he's literally a nine and a half foot tall Muppet. And he's bright blue and furry, and he's got dog ears. Uh, He rarely speaks nowadays, but here it's Jerry Nelson in a sort of a baby talk prototype of what would eventually be his snuffy voice. Did you Mm -hmm. guys get that, Bob? Definitely. I can hear that. I was going to say, Thog is kind of the gentle giant of the, uh, of the Muppets, for the most part. Yes. Uh, whereas Sweetums is the loud one, you have Thog, a creature of very few words. Uh, but here he gets a whole song and dance routine with Mia called Real Live Girl. Oh, pardon me, miss, but I've never done this with a real live girl. Gee, what I've missed, cause I never been kissed by a real live girl. And this is something that would be straight out of the regular Muppet Show as we know it. Oh, yeah. This 
fits perfectly in it. Um, it's a charming little bit inside Thog's misspelled Valentune. <laughs> Does Thog realize that his uh, dance partner slash sort of love interest is pregnant at the time? <laughs> Another's child? Is it another? Is it another person's child? <laughs> it's not Thog's. I hope. Not. I don't know. That was not part of the Wikipedia entry, so... (laughs) I'm saying she's unavailable, Thaw. (laughs) Well, the next segment was new to me because it was apparently cut from the Nickelodeon airing I saw many, many years ago. But Wally types, Charming lady guest star has chat with lovable dog type person. (laughs) And it's Mia talking to Rufus about wanting to get a dog and asking him what sort of dog she should get. And of course, Rufus is eager for the job, showing his abilities as a watchdog and a show dog and my favorite dad joke of the whole special, a greyhound, for which he puts on a bus driver hat and grabs a steering wheel out of nowhere. But I'm ching. <laughs> yeah. And now it's time for the portion of the show where the guest star sings while snuggling with a Muppet and Mia sings the classic love song, Believe Me If All Those Endearing Young Charms. If all those endearing young charms Which I gaze on so fondly today Irish song written in 1808 by poet Thomas More. But did either of you recognize this song? Nope. I didn't recognize any of the songs. Oh, Froggy went to court and I knew. Okay. This one you will know as soon as I tell you what else it's from, because usually you hear it, it's a little up-tempo. I recognized it immediately once it started going, but the melody of it is a regular gag in Looney Tunes cartoons. It's the one where the villain rigs a bomb to a musical instrument. It's usually piano or xylophone. And our hero attempts to play the song, but he keeps messing up that high note that triggers the bomb. Until the villain suddenly gets fed up and shows them the right way to play the song, setting up the trap on themselves. Joey, you know I what reckon, I'm talking about? I, I uh, recognize it now. <laughs> Maybe if I saw it, but not off the top of my head. Uh, Sorry, your description. We're going to cut it in here, and I feel like as soon as you hear it, you'll be like, that's it. That's this song. But for that some it. reason, I recognize it immediately. I'm like, wait, is that? Is she? Yes, this is that. But sadly, even with Crazy Harry, sorry, Crazy Donald on set here, we don't get that bit. But wow, what a pick. And then after this, we have Wally again changing the seed for us as he declares that love is global, nay, universal, and imagines what love would be like on other planets. And we Wayne's World ripple transition. (laughs) 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 To my favorite version of Kermit, news reporter Kermit. Yes. Live on the planet Coosbane during the mating ritual between a male and female Coosbanian. And if this segment was familiar to you, it's because they redid it for an episode of The Muppet Show proper. So it was on... They most certainly did. Yes. I, I remembered that right away. Mm-hmm. It did look familiar. Uh, and it, I feel like it was on a bunch of clip shows. I feel like they aired it as part of, I want to say, The Muppets' 30th anniversary. 
Um, in the 80s, where they were at a whole big banquet, it definitely was, I looked it up, and Muppet Wiki says it was on a season one episode, guest starring Florence Henderson. It also reminded me a bit of the, the SNL Muppets, the weird alien SNL Muppets, yeah. too. Certainly, certainly. So we have the male Kuzbanian played by Frank Oz in sort of a cookie monster voice, cranked up to 11. Wang, 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 wang. Female Kuzbanian played by Jerry Nelson in this high-pitched laugh. Yep, that's the traditional response to the walk walk. Oh, their voice acting was out of was literally out of this world. <laughs> you know they need you know they need lozenges when they were done this because they are at the top of their lungs in this. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you think about or even attempt to do a Cookie Monster voice by ourselves, and it takes a lot out of me. Even for someone like Frank Oz, this, like, it sounds like it pushed him to its limits. And they nailed it. But before I launch into my own personal story of the first time I saw this sketch, do you guys have any particular comments on the Kuzbanian mating ritual scene here? It's rather unnerving at the end. It is, definitely. So the first time I watched this, I was with a group of older kids. I feel like my parents or one of their parents were having a party. So it was like childhood friends of my parents. And as the two Kuzbanian creatures prepare for this Galio hoop hoop mating ritual. Galio! Spoiler alert is both creatures running at each other head on and exploding when they meet. And when the smoke clears, all that's left is a gaggle of little Kuzbanian babies. A miracle of life in space. So when these two aliens get ready to run at each other as they're like about face and taking 10 paces or whatever, I remember, I don't know who it is, but I remember one kid going, uh-oh, they're going to have sex. <laughs> And that was the first time I ever remember hearing the word sex <laughs> in response to the Muppet Show. That seems right for some reason. <laughs> That's how I learned where babies came from. And throw in the fact that I am adopted as well. And for at least a year of my life, I was certain that my biological parents exploded and turned into me. That's my story about the Kuzbanian. It explains a lot. And that's why I wanted to do this special. <laughs> Back to our giant Florida room where Wally asks George if he's learned anything about love from this show. And George sweeps him out of the frame with his mop. And here is where Mia realizes George loves his mop. Let's talk about this, huh? Put down that mop. Hey, hands off! Nobody touches this mop! I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't know. You know now. Yeah, I won't do it again. Don't do it again. Oh. Hey, George, I just mm. thought of something. You you do love somebody or something. Mm. You love your mop. Oh, that's crazy. I don't love this mop. I mean, it's a good mop. It's useful. It's cute. See? And 14 years later, George Newman realize that Stanley yes. loves his mom. 
queuing up our final song of the special, We Got Love. Hey, everybody! I love my mop! Hey, did you hear? He loves his mop! Don't they make a lovely couple? Glory be, George! You've got love! He's got love, 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 love. I got love. He's got love. Sweet, sweet love. Sweet, sweet love. Sweeter than a flower. Which is a decent bookend that pairs nicely with the opening song. And of course, it ends with an explosion from crazy Harry Donald. Uh, Typical Muppet fashion. Everybody gets together for that one big finale and they kind of give it their all. And it's no different here. Yeah, it's fun, pretty much. I think it's weird that they're all celebrating George's love for an inanimate object. But, you know, (laughs) it's pretty standard Muppet fare, to be honest. To be in love with a mop and to yeah. celebrate that. I mean, we're all supposed to be woke these days, so. <laughs> There's Gonzo and Camilla. Come on. so True. That's true. Well, we roll the credits as Mia leaves and the Muppets line up for her to kiss them goodbye Snow White style. And one, we get the recurring gag of old Brewster cutting back into the line a few times to get some extra kisses on his bald head. But more importantly, we get... Uh, some literally last-minute cameos in line for kisses by Rolf, Ernie, and Bert. Good night, Rolf. Good night, Bert. Good night, Ernie. Good night, Bert. Bert, what are you doing here? Good night, everybody. Good night. Were they there the whole time? No. I, again, this is another memory where just the bits and pieces of this special were what stuck in the back of my head. And before watching this, I could have sworn that Ernie and Bert were there the whole time and they might have had a bit. But no, it's just this last part. And Mia accidentally calls Ernie Bert, and Ernie turns around and plays it off well, like Jim Henson does. And like, oh, Bert, what are you doing here? <laughs> and they had been around for years by then. They were... Face, they were known faces. Right, and I think that's the joke here. It's just like, oh, Rolf's here too. He was here the whole time. Oh, and there's Bert and Ernie. They're much better characters than who you've been hanging out with for 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, but I'm glad they kind of spent that next few years kind of coming up with better characters to help Kermit pad out the show, because <laughs> yeah. this gang just wasn't cutting it. No, so I've I've seen the Muppet movie. He, you know, found them all. There it is. (laughs) So that takes place after this special exists in the crazy timeline. But wait a minute. No, he found them. Well, you know, and then are the Muppet babies a dream or is it real life? (laughs) I saw a movie about them at at Fozzie's mom's house once. Yes. That we took care of that in that episode. I'm not trying to get back into it again. No, count some more penguins for us. Yes. Well, there's this new penguin on the new Muppet Babies too. So where did she come from? <laughs> Have you guys watched New Muppet Babies at all? No, I've wanted to, but I just never got around to it. No, I've just seen the artwork online. My kids have taken to it, which makes me very happy, but it's fine. It's a good kid show, and it, it's not on the same level as what I think we expected and what we got in the 80s. Uh, you don't see those little open the closet door, and it's a clip of a classic movie, but... It seems like a less manic type of show than 
what we grew up with is. It is. Was. You have Gonzo kind of in that manic role for a little bit, and it still has that heavy emphasis on using your imagination and things. The one thing that kind of turns me off just because I've been watching this for years and years and years is that their next door neighbors are Mr. Statler and Mr. Waldorf, and they mm-hmm. kind of hang out in the window next door instead of their balcony. But they like Fozzie's jokes. Hmm. What? And that's different, man. But <laughs> I'm fine with it because, again, it's a kid's show. and yeah, I think it's for an even younger audience than the original Muppet Babies was. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is for, like, these are for, like, really little kids. Yeah, this is definitely a preschool-type show. Uh, but my eight-year-old likes it, too, so great. She got to watch... Oh an episode of The Muppet Show in school today. Because she goes to a school where they have a drama class and they're doing some sort of puppetry thing. So her drama teacher put on The Muppet Show episode with Edgar Perkin. (laughs) (laughs) So it's funny. She's we're at dinner and she's trying to describe it for me. Like, okay, what do you remember about The Muppet Show? Did you watch a whole episode? Yeah. Tell me about it. Was there a guest on it? Yes. It was a guy with a puppet, and that's all she had to say. I'm like, oh, Edgar Bergen. <laughs> His daughter's Murphy Brown. That's right. That's right. His real live daughter, not his companions made of wood or whatever. They did not turn into real boys. <laughs> uh, and, and that's it for this. There's a quick gag at the end where Rufus actually follows Mia out the door, but... That's it. This is a lot shorter than I remembered. But any final thoughts for either of you as first-time viewers of the Muppets Valentine show? Well, as I'm a lifelong Muppets fanatic, I adore them. Huge part of my life, both as a kid and as an adult. But I have to say, in all honesty, this was a pretty rough one. I mean, this you, you can definitely tell that the concepts are very much in utero- and they're kind of trying to feel their way out, and it was a, you know, it was a, it was a good first draft, but I'm glad they went and revised it because this was a tough watch for a couple of reasons. I think I think you were right about what you said about the cast initially. It's a pretty awkward kind of a cast, mm-hmm. but then at the same time, you can definitely see elements of the later show here with the guest star and the musical numbers, and so those elements are definitely there. And that's interesting to see. Yeah, also with the characters, you sort of, like, are expected to already know who they are going in. Like, when it starts, like, oh, of course, it's my old friend, Mildred. I know this character, but you don't. No. You sort of just dropped into it. Right. You had Kermit there, but for the most part, a lot of these people are brand new. And you have the dog for the people who may have happened to see Hey, Cinderella. Which I don't think there's a lot of crossover there, but mm. again, it worked. It uh, th- they worked for this special and this special alone, uh, and I'm glad they treated it like a pilot, like a special, and a jumping off point to show. Okay, this is what we can do with a regular Muppets TV show, and I'm glad they were able to take as much as they could from this template and go forward with it. And look where we are today. I'm curious to know if. Henson came up with the idea of it being specifically about Valentine's Day, or if maybe 
the network said, hey, we like a, a Valentine's show. Can you make this pilot work around that? And it kind of went from there. I wonder how, if, if that's the case, if the latter's the case, if that kind of made things different than had they not been attached to like a specific holiday or something like that. Yeah, I'm not sure where that idea came from, which side it came from, but it was sort of Jim Henson's backup plan since no one really wanted to pull the trigger just yet on a full series. So he decided, someone decided, okay, let's do a bunch of specials based around holidays. So I think Great Santa Claus Switch was the first one of those, and this was intended to be the next in that series. Mm-hmm. But then that's all we get, I think. Yeah. Well, thank you both for coming on this episode. It was great to talk to you both. Glad to be back in the Advent Calendar House. Thank you for having me. St. Patrick's Day. (laughs) (laughs) Not quite that soon, but we'll be back uh, before the midway point of the year, hopefully. But until then, if people want to run at you in full speed and explode into babies, where can they find you on the internet? Brian. Uh, my blog, me and you and a blog named Boo, uh, which is about, you know, Generation X pop culture, because, you know, there's not a lot of blogs about that topic. No, no. And, uh, <laughs> and I have the world's longest URL, me and you and a blog named Boo.blogspot.com. I, ne- I need to get a tiny URL or something like that, but, uh, you can find me there and, uh, you know, look me up on Facebook, Twitter, at Philly Radio Geek. That's a great place to find me. And uh, hopefully we'll double my readership to six members. Hey, all right. Please do check out Brian's stuff. We, I, we actually ended up on one of your old blog entries last episode talking about Christmas Eve on Sesame Street when Joey had a tangent about the Candy Apple News oh. Company. Oh, okay. That's great. Yeah, after we're done recording, we'll talk about uh, uh, when they went to see the Phillies in the World Series, which is the first thing I think of with that show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joey, where do you hang out? Uh, you can hear me on Why Not Radio, whynotradio.net, and our uh, Words with Nerds pop culture show if you want to hear us talk about uh, The Good Place and Perry Gilpin and uh, other ridiculous things like that. We just... Had a new episode like two weeks ago, so it's on demand. Oh, yay. And you can find show notes and the rest of this podcast at adventcalendar.house and on Twitter at adventcalhouse. Planning for season three is underway, and oh, oh, I need to talk about what we're doing. So I threw around the idea of making next season of the Advent Calendar House all adaptations of A Christmas Carol. I am not doing that. <laughs> I, it sounded like a good idea at the time I thought of it, but I like keeping it random. So just because I don't want to be on the hook for having to come up with themes for future seasons. So, uh, but I did no versions of a Christmas Carol last season. So this year I've already chosen four to cover. So season three will begin with our first Scrooge Sunday episode, which I'm making a regular thing. On Sunday, December 1st. And I'm not telling you what it is yet, but it's going to be a good one. If it's called Scrooge Sunday, you know it's going to be big. Scrooge Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. (laughs) But I will be back before then for another holiday. Until then, 
for Joey Owen, Brian Arnold, live from the bar flanked by a talking frog and a giant mouse. This is Mike <laughs> Westfall saying, careful of that icy patch. Well, there you have it, friends. Once again, love comes to Coosbane. The Advent Calendar House is part of the Christmas Podcast Network. To find more shows like this one, visit christmaspodcastnetwork.com. Ho, 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 ho. Merry Christmas. Greetings, holiday shoppers. I'm Joseph Wade, and I host a podcast called Christmas Creeps. My band of merry mischief makers and I dissect holiday movies and specials all year round in search of the true meaning of Christmas. So whether you can't resist the urge to watch Home Alone in June, or you worship at the altar of mutant killer snowmen, Christmas Creeps is the podcast for the Grinch in all of us. Check us out at christmascreeps.com or wherever you download podcasts. 